HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Kane Vineyard and Winery, a Napa Valley winery committed to respecting the soil and dedicated to the creation of three Cabernet blends. For more information, visit Kane5.com. I'm Erin Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food here on Heritage Radio Network. With me, your host, Erica Wides, back after a two-week hiatus. Sometimes I just need a little time off to refresh and to think, but I'm back. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm always, I'm always a little bit late to the party, if you know what I mean. A few steps behind catching on to things... (sighs) I'm like, I'm a little slow, you know, maybe it's my naturally skeptical nature. Maybe I'm just a slow adopter. Is it adopter or adapter? I guess adopter. I don't know. I always kind of wait something out to see like if it's really going to stick, you know, in the culture or in the zeitgeist, you know, like Arrested Development. Took me a while, but you know, now I love it, except not the last season, which was horrible. We won't talk about that, you know, or the internet. Still not sure about that one. Or Modernist Cuisine. I'm pretty sure about that one. A little undecided, but pretty sure. And often, I just haven't heard of things yet when everybody else has heard of them. I mean, maybe like I read the wrong websites or I'm just like in the wrong clubs or something like that. But I kind of always just feel like I'm a couple steps behind everyone else. And Now, I, I don't. I want to clarify this because I don't mean literally late because in that sense, I am pathologically prompt. I am always on time, if not early. If I have to be somewhere at noon, I'm there at 11.55 or even earlier because I hate to be late to anything. 
physically. So while I'm metaphorically often late to the party, I'm literally often the first person to arrive because I'm the person who'll show up at your your house for your party while you're still in a towel drying your hair. And so then I'll go rearrange your cheese and cracker display when you're not looking because you didn't know. But because being late, physically late, makes me like physically ill. Like I get sweaty and anxious and it really bothers me. Being late to catch on to things just makes me feel once again like the like nerdy little chubby kid I used to be. It kind of never goes away. But then again, sometimes I'm very good at predicting food trends years in advance. And I think of business ideas way before other people actually go ahead and start them. And I've identified neighborhoods as newly acceptable to middle class white people before the developers have moved in and blown them up. In those cases, I'm just either too slow or too timid to act on my instincts. I let other people take the big risks, and then I just talk about them and silently judge them from the sidelines because I'm sort of mad at myself that it wasn't me taking the risk. And another way that I'm always a step behind, and you know I'm getting to something here, I'm always a step behind, is that I can't always understand song lyrics I mean, I can memorize them. I'm practically a savant of song lyrics. Turn on any oldies station on the radio with music from before 1990, which is now what oldies are, and I can sing along to almost every single song that they spin, especially if I had that album at one point because it had lyrics in the liner notes, and I would memorize the lyrics because I have a little bit of a savanti thing going on with that. But if I learn the song just by listening to it, then it's pretty much a guarantee that I'll have a bunch of the words completely wrong, even though I think I know the song. And I tend to take things pretty literally. So in my mind, that's what the song is. I mean, I sometimes, like I said, don't quite get things, but I do take things literally. So it wasn't actually until Freddie Mercury died of AIDS that I realized why the band was called Queen. Okay. It's a good example. Or like I'll misinterpret a song. Completely. Okay, so the earliest example of my misinterpretation of song lyrics is this, which may be the most iconic classic holiday song, Winter Wonderland. We all know Winter Wonderland. Let's recall now the troublesome lyric of my youth from Winter Wonderland. You may have even heard it already this fall, since according to my neighborhood's business association, the Christmas season began on October 24th, when they were hanging the giant illuminated, illuminated snowflakes over my street on a 70-degree day. But hey, you know, I know how important it is to be early, so I'm not judging. Okay, so here is the line from Winter Wonderland. In the meadow, we can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown. Right? We're all familiar with that. Now, if I were to read this line of song lyrics written, I would see that the words Parson and Brown are capitalized because they are proper nouns and they refer, refer to some guy named Parson Brown, whoever he was. I've never heard the name Parson as a first name, but it's an old song. And I bet some Brooklyn toddler will be named Parson any day now. But my six or eight or 17 year old self, having become aware of the song only through repeated forced listening during holiday seasons, always inferred that we were pretending that said snowman was Parson Brown, lowercase, uncapitalized, as in a color or a shade of brown called Parson Brown. And 
FYI, I do know what a parson is. That was just a joke about the first name. So even though I love to paint, and as a child, I had an entire set of Grumbacher acrylic paint tubes and multiple sets of watercolors and the entire Crayola 64 color crayon box set, I had never heard of the shade called Parson Brown, but I just assumed that it was something that people who celebrated Christmas were familiar with, and it wasn't a shade of brown meant for or visible by Jews on our limited spectrum, maybe because we all wore glasses. I don't know. So why, I wondered in my child brain, would we want a snowman that we would pretend to be brown? If we wanted a brown snowman, couldn't we just have rolled the three separate balls of snow in the dirt? I mean, all my snowmen always had some dirt rolled into them. Anyway, I didn't need to pretend it was Parson Brown or Shit Brown or Mud Brown. It always was kind of brown. Maybe non-Jews all over were tidy and neat and lived in places that had perfect snow and perfect snowmen and perfect parents who didn't make them wear hand-me-downs from the fat girl with the runny nose named Maureen across the street or make them play violin and heat their houses with coal. And I just assumed it wasn't up for Talmudic discussion or pondering. It was just how the Goyim did it or sang it. So don't question it. Now, Goyim, of course, being one of the politically correct terms my extended family tossed around for anyone who wasn't Jewish, along with the word Gentile, which in my early years as a reader, I dyslexically thought was the same word as the word genital. And I couldn't understand why my grandpa Joey always referred to non-Jews as genitals, but pronounced the word Gentile. Do you see what I mean? Many, many years of confusion. Ironically, I have now grown into something of a spelling and a grammar Nazi, and I can spot a typo 100 miles away. For example, in today's New York Times Online, in an article about persimmons, they used the correct spelling of persimmon in the headline, but in the subheader accidentally changed it to permission tree instead of persimmon tree merely by flopping an M and an I. Persimmon, permission, gentile, genital. Go get Parson Brown and let's call this whole thing off. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I'll actually talk about food today. This is Chris Howell from Cane Vineyard and Winery, calling in from Spring Mountain above the Napa Valley. Thank you for listening to this show. In our industrial world of highly processed food and wine, we support the values of Heritage Radio Network. All of us at Cane encourage you to seek out individuality and beauty in everything you eat and drink. To learn more about us, go to Cane5.com. Welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Wides. I am your host today. Okay, so here's the point. I'm getting there. We all know the Robin Thicke slash Smokey the Bear, I mean, slash Farrell Williams song, Blurred Lines, right? I mean, how could you not? Along with happy, it's as inescapable as Christmas music in October. 
Now, I know it from the gym, which is where I'm exposed to most top 40 pop music as I take a lot of classes. And the instructors all have their carefully curated playlists, which all basically involve the same 10 songs. Now, Blurred Lines isn't quite as ubiquitous as it was maybe a year or so ago, but it's still there. Hey, seeping into our brains. Hey, getting into our ears like a worm. Hey, I first heard it a year or so ago at the gym and it stuck like crazy. But I kind of liked it. I like to run to it. I like to work out to it. It has a good beat. And since I do have that certified learning disability, which I mentioned in the previous segment about how I can't decipher song lyrics, I was completely innocent to what it was about. I just thought it was something about, you know, you want it having a good time. Sounds fairly innocuous to me. So along comes Soph, my niece, who at the time was 13. And we were in the car going somewhere a year or so ago. And it comes on the radio. And I excitedly turn to Soph and say in a totally lame bonding attempt with a 13-year-old, Oh, I love this song, don't you? Feeling like the middle-aged, clueless person that my mother must have felt like when I was 13. But Soph, being a much, much nicer child at 13 than I ever was, didn't just roll her eyes in disgust and look away. She said, Eck, because that's what she's called me since she learned to talk. Eck, that song is about date rape. Now, if we still used vinyl records and turntables in a non-ironic hipster way, this is where the scratch of the needle on the record sound effect would be played because I had just been schooled by a 13-year-old niece and I pride myself on being a savant of song lyrics and I try to educate her on music from before the year 2000, which was the year she was born. But hey, hey, I had no idea what the song was about. I mean, I had to look the lyrics up online and... Yeah, they're pretty awful. But I had no idea. I had no idea until I looked it up. Oh, and by the way, Soph goes to a Waldorf school, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically all these precious kids put into a terrarium and raised like valuable ferns from the rainforest. Okay, so she's in there under the terrarium with all these other delicate specimens and she's almost completely sheltered from popular culture. And she knew what the song was about. So you see what I mean about me always being a few hours late to the party? I may seem like the perceptive, quick-witted, with-it gal, but sometimes I just think I'm missing that Parson Brown crayon from my set. I feel like there's some secret information line, some, some website that all the cool kids have the password to, which tells them about all the cool stuff first, but I never got the password. And I've always felt this way. This has gone back years since I was a kid. And that's probably why it's a good thing that I never had kids because it would drive me to insane madness not knowing what they're talking about. Like I said, I'm a late adopter. I'm still not even on Instagram. Okay, so whether or not you agree that the song is about date rape or sexual violence or it's just satire, as Robin Thicke claims, or anything else, it's important to get the whole story and not just blithely listen to the beat while in total body conditioning or boot camp class and not think about it. Better to learn on your own than have a 13-year-old teach you, I think. And so my point. Here it comes. My point. Now that we are at the 15-minute mark of a 30-minute show, I will actually get to the point of what I'm talking about. My point is that I want to discuss blurred lines, not just the lyrics, 
Not that no means no, not about informed consent, not about any of that stuff that's in the news these days, the girl at Columbia carrying her mattress around. But the foodiness blurred lines. Yes, foodiness. It's not an episode of Let's Get Real without discussing foodiness. It's the foundation that the show is built upon. It's our platform. It's our Rosetta Stone. Now, one night a few weeks ago, I was at a fundraiser event that my friend Elise was running for hunger. Something. (laughs) Something related to hunger. I don't know. And I had a few too many drinks because that's what you do when you go to an event to raise money for hunger, right? You drink too much. So I had a few too many drinks and then I came home and I sat down on the couch and I turned on the TV and I fell asleep because that's what I do when I have too many drinks. And then at some point I got up and I went to bed and when I got up the next morning, I noticed that I had put a note into my phone to remind my future sober self about an ad that I'd seen that drunken night before for an iconic, brazenly balls-out foodiness product that I wanted to remember. Luckily, in my intoxicated state, I'd had the wherewithal to make the note. And in the morning, I saw it, but had no memory at all of seeing the ad. Don't judge. The product was for Hershey's Mix-Ins yogurt. Yes, Hershey's Mix-Ins yogurt. Sweetened industrial yogurt with a little cup of tiny candy bars to mix in or dip in to make your yogurt into just a cup load of fun. Now, I've talked about Trix yogurt before and Yo Crunch before, which has little crunchy cookie bits and shit to add in. But this is really a new low in foodiness, a new frontier, a new blurred line that we've crossed. See, I was getting somewhere with that. It's all a long, slow buildup, but I eventually get there. A line that's become so blurred that it's virtually invisible. Sort of like the 49th parallel between the U.S. and Canada. Because look, Canada has crazed mass shooters now too, not just us. So congratulations, Canada. You're just like us now. If that 49th parallel between candy and yogurt is completely gone now, we may as well just open up all the borders and let the North Koreans take over because you know what? We're dead. It's bad enough that the yogurt base in this yogurt lists sugar as the second ingredient, which is very common in flavored yogurts because what else are you going to put in there other than milk and then sugar? That's bad enough. But then stacked on top of it in this cute little container is this little cup of teeny tiny Hershey bars, which as a person who loves all things miniature, pull right on my heartstrings and I find super, super cute because they are teeny tiny Hershey bars or little teeny tiny Whoppers, not the burger, the candy, or little teeny tiny cookies and cream nugget balls, which I can't even think about that, go there, that it's a candy flavored like a cookie, but turned back into a candy that you mix in. My brain hurts with that one, which you then mix in to this yogurt or use as a little chip and dip kind of thing. Dip your candy into your yogurt. There's over 30 total sugar grams in one cup of this stuff. 30. That's just a few grams shy of a can of Coke. A can of Coke has 35 grams. 35 grams. 30 grams of sugar in this. Hey, hey, hey. that's a lot of sugar. At least the Trix yogurt, cotton candy flavored Trix yogurt, that only has 14 grams of sugar. And hey, it's low fat, so it's okay, right? 
Blurred lines, people. Blurred lines. It's not yogurt. It's candy. Pure and simple. Would you feed your kid a can of Coke for breakfast? Well, don't answer that because I ride the subway in New York City and I have seen babies in strollers on the subway sucking down soda or Gatorade or Snapple iced tea or Arizona iced tea at any time of day, but even in the morning. If you're an adult and you choose to drink Coke in the morning, that's one thing. But don't poison your children. Anyway, breakfast cereal sales in the U.S. are down. Which I would generally think is great, and I would do a Pharrell Williams happy dance to even wearing his stupid hat. Since I'm pretty sure that there's no hidden violent theme in that song. Is there Soph? I'll have to call Soph and ask her about that one. I think that one's just about being happy. I think it's like right on the surface, pretty legit. But, you know, what do I know? I'll have to ask the 14-year-old. Now, if cereal sales are down in the U.S., along with McDonald's sales, by the way, it must mean that Americans are eating more real food for breakfast, right? See, you can't get rid of it once it's in there. More real food like eggs and quinoa and turmeric and nor. Oh, no, wait a minute. That's my breakfast. That's what I eat. Nobody else eats that. Well, Soph does sometimes, actually. I taught her. Or at least we think people are eschewing cereals now because they want to avoid processed grains and refined sugars, right? I mean, that's where you would think this decline in sales is coming from people fearing grains, the grain brain and wheat belly and all that and the big fear of sugar that we hope is finally getting across to people. And that's great. I'm happy with that. I sound like Tony the Tiger. It's great. Well, what's that great whooshing sound we all hear? Why, it's Foodiness Inc. rushing in to fill the vacuum that nature naturally abhors in the form of all kinds of new yogurt-esque products and variations from the above-mentioned candy cups to squeezy tubes to drinkables. And all of it, almost every single one, has as much or more sugar than that bowl of Captain Crunch or Kashi Nuggets. It's the huge, misguided, mistaken switch from one bowl of processed crap to another bowl of processed crap. The great whooshing sound as that foodiness rushes in to fill a vacuum. But it's yogurt, people say. Yogurt, it's good for you. It's the food of hippies and liberals and healthy moms who go to spin class. How could it be bad? It's yogurt. It's what people in India have eaten for thousands of years. It's what those people in Armenia and that old Danon ad ate that allowed them to live for so long. Um, Yeah, but not with like little Hershey's Kisses thrown into it or flavored like cotton candy flavored tricks, flavored cereal flavored yogurt. Yeah. I mean, how could it be bad? Well, if there's candy chunks in your yogurt, even I can deduce that one. And I couldn't figure out why Queen was called Queen until Freddie died of AIDS. I don't even need to read the liner notes on that album, okay? I get those lyrics. And the other new onslaught of foodiness breakfast to take cereal's place? Oatmeal. Oatmeal. Oh, you would think so innocuous, so simple, so healthy oatmeal. 
but it's not oatmeal that people are eating. It's not home cooked. It's not steel cut. It's not even rolled old fashioned oats. Oh, no, that's too much work. That involves turning on the stove and a pot or a microwave and a spoon. And you actually have to stop. And, you know, it's really hard to tweet at the same time. No, no, no. It's all about the portable, the handheld, the eat it in the SUV while you're being driven to school in the giant car because the school bus is too rough for little Lexi and Hampton and they can't take it. They're too sensitive because they've been diagnosed with some kind of sensitivity disorder. Oh, maybe from all the sugar you're force feeding them, huh? So many new oat products, pre-cooked instant oatmeal already in a cup, oatmeal bars, oatmeal drinks, those poor maligned oats, such a simple humble grain all tarted up like an unsuspecting girl on a date with robin thick oh sister watch out we're gonna take another little break we'll be right back So just a little fact checking there. Okay. It what? seems like uh, happy is indeed about being happy. Oh, good. Yeah. Thank, well, no, nothing shoot. to worry about there. Dodge that bullet. Didn't embarrass myself with that one. Thanks, Jack. See, Jack's the kind of guy who knows all the cool stuff. He's one of those kids. He knows the password to the cool sites. I don't. Okay. Anyway, welcome back to the third section segment of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, eating food. Here on Heritage Radio Network with me, Eric Watts. Okay, now somebody at General Mills must be a fan of this show. I know all those executives at General Mills listen to Heritage Radio religiously because they take their cues from us. And somebody wanted to market a cereal to my listeners because now General Mills, the makers of Cheerios, has introduced Cheerios Ancient Grains. Yep. Ancient Grains Cheerios, those humble oat rings. One of the best of the worst, by the way, Cheerios, in the cereal pantheon. Minimally sweetened, uncolored, unflavored. Really not that bad as far as cereal goes. Going down the foodiness crapper tubes. Ancient Grains Cheerios has all these healthy things. Quinoa, spelt, kamut. Added, but in tiny, tiny, minuscule amounts, all clumped up with oat clusters and rings, and then coated with a whole lot more sugar than regular old Cheerios. So you think, oh, I'll buy the ancient grains, I'll be better off than the regular Cheerios, but actually, the ancient grains Cheerios are loaded with sugar. You know why? Because people can't stand the way the grains taste, and they have to hide the flavor with more sugar. Welcome to America. Now, Cheerios long ago jumped on the flavoring bandwagon. I mean, Honey Nut Cheerios came out like when I was in high school, you know, in the 80s. But it was even fairly innocuous back then. Too sweet, too much sugar, but okay. And then all of a sudden, the past couple of years, we got chocolate Cheerios and then cinnamon apple Cheerios and dulce de leche Cheerios. And you know what? Can you guess how many varieties of Cheerios there are on the market now? How many flavors? Take a guess. 16 flavor varieties of Cheerios now. 
So where does the Cheerio cease to be a Cheerio and just become something else? Hmm, very philosophical question. There's even a fruity-flavored one. Fruity, which means that they're just like tricks, but in ring form. It's not like there's real fruit in the fruity. Now, Cheerios has always had this reputation for being the lower sugar, good-for-toddler cereal, right? How many toddlers have you seen toting around their little tubby container or a Ziploc bag filled with Cheerios to be constantly nibbling on so that they become addicted very early on to the flavor of processed grains and sugar. But it's okay because they're little rings and if they choke, they can breathe through them and it's okay and blah, blah, blah. It's okay. They're Cheerios. So everyone must assume that it doesn't matter which Cheerios you feed the toddlers, right? Because it's all Cheerios. It's all got that name. We have to trust them. Well, multi-grain Cheerios actually have less whole grain fiber in them than original Cheerios. Isn't that interesting? And ancient grains Cheerios, as I said, have way more. You know why? Because people don't want to taste grains in their grains. So General Mills had to add extra sugar to hide the grain flavor so that our infantilized childlike palates, yet again, could manage to force down a bowl into our overfed guts of what is purportedly good for us. Do I need to beat this dead cereal horse any longer week after week? Probably not. It seems like cereal just gets ballsier and bolder. Because as cereal sales decline, the industry is freaking out. And now it's all about protein. We've become obsessed with protein. There are Cheerios protein varieties too. Like chocolate protein Cheerios. The protein Cheerios, by the way, have double the calories as the original Cheerios But I guess with all the extreme sports and CrossFit that you do, which is why you need to eat the cereal with the protein, right? You'll burn up those calories, schnick schnack. Got to get that protein, need the protein. Everything needs to have added protein. All of a sudden, everything's got protein. We need protein. We may cease to exist without it. And thank God that General Mills and his army of cereologists have rescued us from our imminent atrophy due to to malnourishment. But you know what else has protein? Mm, eggs, broccoli, nuts, seeds, sardines, quinoa, potatoes, um, food. Hey, yeah, food has protein. Hey, and most Americans get more protein in a day than they'll ever need. It's not like we're in the top 10 fittest country and we're all out there running the marathon every day. We're not the fattest country anymore, mazel tov to us. We've been eclipsed in fatness by Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and the UAE and China and Mexico. And you know why they're so fat? Because of American corporate industrial food. You are so welcome, world. Happy to help out. Our shit is your shit. Please, have another bowl. So soon enough, when you're traveling abroad, you won't be able to easily pick out the Americans in a crowd anymore by their obese silhouettes as once was. Nope. We'll just be a planet full of chocolate cereal and candy yogurt eaters. No cultural distinctions, no regional cuisines, no differences. All blurred lines, for sure. Just an overheated planet with an overfed mob all fighting for that last tube of squeezy yogurt before the lights go out forever. Glad to end on such a happy note this week. Thanks for listening to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food Lest we forget, it's about food. Thanks to Jack in the control room and Ben Kaplan who wrote my theme music. And we'll, oh yeah, follow me on Twitter at Let's Get Real Show. We'll see you next week. 
Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.